having the ability to self-assess yourself in the moment when you're experiencing something is so important because then it allows you to turn around and have a dialogue with someone that is effective and progressive. Yeah. So like self-regulation. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's a big one. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm EC in the house. Welcome back. I am so excited about this conversation. Okay. Why? Because <laughs> I just got some stuff to say, but no, okay. don't you joke. I like it when you have stuff have, to say. I have nothing to say, no. This is going to be great. I'm ha- okay. I'm, it's good to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you all day. I'm your wife. I live in the house I with know. you. I It's just like seeing you with brand new eyes. Well, um, hi. Hello. Okay, weirdo. I'm glad you're seeing me with new eyes, I yeah, guess. So beautiful. Well, there you have it. Um, do you have a what in the world? I do. Okay, what is it? My what in the world is about what I've become. Okay. So I would say almost 10 years ago, mm-hmm. we have a common friend that we've known that we worked with for a long, long time. Okay. All right. Uh, his name was Mike Harris. Shout out to Mike Harris. Oh, I don't know Mike you... Harris. Did so you he... see him recently? I didn't. Okay. No, I mm-hmm. didn't see him recently. But. All right. um, <laughs> But, you know, just I want the the people listening or watching us to visualize this, you know, very muscular, large man, mm-hmm. you know, dark, dark skin skinned. brother, you uh-huh. know, he's got bald a head. got a got a, a serious dad mustache, right? Okay. Bald uh-huh. head. And he had this grovelly deep voice. Hey, it was hey, like hey. the voice was like rocks yeah. were in his mouth while he was talking. That's okay. how deep it was. Give me a Mike Harris impression. What's going on, man? How you doing? Right. It's, yeah. it's very deep. It's mm-hmm. like, like where did that voice come from? Like did it's you, an undercover yeah. conversation. Did you, rec- like, did you did you create that voice? Yeah. No, but it's it's very distinct. Okay. So, you know, working in a fitness, working in, in, in a gym, he would come to the same gym that I uh, was running. And so he would be working out and I would work out with him sometimes. From Wait, time to time. we worked with Mike Harris. I think he worked at Best Buy and at Circuit City and then worked out with you yeah, at, at your gym. At, at 24, 24 Hour uh-huh. Fitness. So, you know. So decades. Long time. Right. Right. And so we'll be working out from time to time. Or I would talk to him and, and he would have this complaint because mm-hmm. the gym was busy. It's usually coming in like at six o'clock or so. How old do you think he was then though? Like 50? Probably close to it. Okay. Yeah, and so he would he would have this thing that he would say because he would be irritated because he wanted to get you know, he wanted to move through. Like At I like to move through my exercise. Mm-hmm. I'm not messing around. And so he would be all mad. He'd say, "All these kids in here grabbing ass, mm-hmm. right?" And so he grabbing would, ass, uh-huh. grabbing ass means like lollygagging, like, like lollygagging, messing, messing around. Mm-hmm. You know, grabbing ass. And mm-hmm. I used to say, "Oh, grabbing ass, okay, okay, so, not appropriate in not, 2023." Right. So, but he would constantly say it all the time. Yeah. And so. You know, now I'm, you know, in my 40s and I and I go to the gym and I and I, I'm on a 
time schedule. Mm-hmm. Like I'm moving through. Right. Because you work out during your lunch. I like I work out through lunch. Right. I try to get get it in. I'm not I'm not on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm like zeroed in, locked and loaded. Yeah. And then, you know, there's young people in the gym, <laughs> right? You're that old guy. And these young people they're just out and messing around. They're just out here grabbing ass, mm. right? And not like literally grabbing ass, yeah. but like messing around. Yeah. And it it has gotten to the <laughs> point where I have become this old black man in the gym that's pissed off at everybody because right. they're in here just messing around and I'm you here for business, Harris. right? And then they have this problem where they hang out in the locker room, mm. right? And that really bothers me, Why, right? Honey? Because this is this is a particular individual I saw today he sits in the locker room, fully dressed. At the gym. At the gym, mm-hmm. in the gym locker room, mm-hmm. playing Pokemon Go. What? Sitting down on the bench, right? Is he 12? I, no, he's. this is an adult. Okay. Playing Pokemon Go. Like, I, I, I don't know if there's like, a, I don't know how that game works, but I don't know he's scoring points in, lo- in the locker room. Okay. And I have a problem with that. Right. Right? You know, phones have cameras. I don't know what this guy's in here and doing. you're showering. You're showering. Changing. You know, people are going into the steam yeah. room, the saunas, right? And But it's not just him. This is like a plethora of people just hanging out in there, yeah. grabbing ass, messing around. <laughs> and it has gotten so bad that I have gotten really snarky with people. Right. Like, I have gotten out, like, out of the shower and the people have taken up all the space and I'm like can you move mm. I'm not even asking nicely I'm like can mm. you move are you gonna and I'm like especially if they're not getting dressed I'm yeah. like are you gonna be all here be here all day and, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm like feeling like I'm being really rude but mm. you know what they deserve it right so my what in the world is what I have become mm. because of this situation and you think that you're turning into Mike Harris because that's what you I don't saw. know if I'm come turning into him I'm turning yeah. my my version oh right and mm-hmm. so if some young person you know wanted to work out with me they would probably hear me say a lot of <laughs> rude <Grab an> things <laughs> I just like we were, you were telling the story last night and the kids were like I don't think that anyone should say grabbing ass <laughs> And you're like, no, 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 not like really grabbing asses. No, but it was just like, like you're messing around. Yeah. And then you get to a place where you like, you look at people and they on their phone. You say, yeah. How long are you going to be on this machine? How many more you got? I'm pretty ruthless at the gym. Yeah. Like don't be sitting on on social media, be in there for real. Yeah. So this is a PSA to anyone going to the gym for like, that's not on a time schedule. Are you okay? I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, like if. There's limited amounts of equipment Equipment, in the gym. If I'm there and I've got 45 minutes to work out and you're sitting there in between sets, taking selfies and on your phone, texting, it's really annoying and it's most importantly inconsiderate. So move your fucking ass. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you either. And I always just go, how many more sets do you have? Yeah. And they're like, oh, 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 I'm done. Okay, get up. Like, move then. So I don't know. Maybe the thing is, is we've become those older people that just don't have a tolerance because that's kind of what you sound like right now. Yeah, I, but I, but I, when I look back, I didn't really have a tolerance ten years ago. Yeah, like, but like, yeah, I have like I literally have my phone and my my phone, my watch, and I'm looking at my timer. Yeah. I rest for like like 30, 45 30 seconds, seconds yeah. you know, and I'm back at it. Yeah. And people, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. The young people in the gym, they're just, just working like, out. Wrong. People just chilling. They're just yeah. like. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you're in a leg machine. How many more yeah. you got? There's one leg press here. Can yeah. you get up? And then people have the nerve as I am working through in a very, you know, fast pace Efficient. to ask me, mm. can they work in? And <laughs> I'm like, no. No, I'm super setting. I, yeah, I, I have things to do. Yeah. Right. You're going to take longer than 45 seconds in your set. Mm-hmm. I, You know, no. 
And so now I have become those people. I'm, I'm like, sorry. no, you can't work in with me. I'm sorry. Plus, I'm really sweaty. Uh, just you well, know, can I just I tell you, your skin time. looks really great. Oh, thank you. It's very hydrated <laughs> right now, maybe because you're sweating because you're so angry. But <laughs> I'm like, your skin looks oh, dewy yeah. as fuck. <laughs> dewy as fuck. <laughs> okay, that leads me into something I want to share with listeners: is that one of the best shows we've ever seen. Yeah. We just completed the season, and that is Shrinking. Yeah. Like, if you are not watching Shrinking. Um, it's got Harrison it Ford. What are the other Jason Siegel. Um, um, I forget the young lady's name. Yeah. On there. Uh, she's really funny. She's so funny. And it's about these three th- therapists that have a practice and they just get to a point where they're like, um, okay, well, you got the same people coming in year after year complaining about the same stuff. You know, makes me sad when I do this. How about you don't fucking do that? <laughs> right. And it is so funny. Yeah, so Eddie funny. and Jordan and I watched it and we literally laughed out loud at every single episode. So that's my recommendation. Go watch Shrinking. It's a really amazing show and yeah. it's super, super funny. Like fun, smart humor. Very smart humor. Yeah, not yeah. dumb humor. Really no. dumb or really smart, witty humor. Yeah, I love it. And it and it gets better as the season yeah. goes on. Mm-hmm. So th- that's always good when when like it, you don't want the show to peak in the first couple yep. episodes. It, it and then when you watch the final episode and you see boop, think of me. <laughs> My niece does that. Boop. So it's a great episode. It's a great show. Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, last thing I do want to say is if you live in L.A. or New York, I know they're in both those cities. I don't know what other cities, but I think there's nine of them. Smorgasburg. Mm. Smorgasburg is kind of like a food show, like a night show. Uh, they set up on Sundays in downtown L.A., um, there's probably 75 to a hundred different food vendors. So I love when we can support small business owners yeah. and you should go check it out. Yeah. So we went last week, tons of people there. And I got to say there's certain, if you own a business or trying to start or grow a business, then the tip I have for you in 2023 is don't sell something basic mm. Because if you're just thinking that you can frost a cupcake in 2023, cupcakes are old. You got to get a little more creative. Yeah. If you just want to show up with your favorite chocolate chip cookies, it's just not good enough. You have to kind of figure out how to display it better or add some color, up level the packaging, like do something above and beyond. And you will have a line with 40 people in it waiting to get your stuff, which then creates some sort of social proof, which then makes more people want to stand in line. Mm. So anyways, you know, we're supposed to be in a recession. Mm. Everybody that we're coaching, working with right now is like, oh, people just don't have the money. And at this place, they had the money (laughs) because one of the places that caught my attention was called Lobster Domus. Yeah. What do you think they sell? Lobster. Yeah. And so they had these noodles, these garlic spicy noodles, and they had a whole lobster tail on top of it with all kinds of butter and delicious goodness, Cajun butter. And I stood right in line. Along with the other 60 people that were in line. And I was happy to stand in line. Right. And also when I got my total for the one item that I got, it was $52. Right. And I was happy to pay that. It was like, no problem. I was like, "Mm, it's lobster, but I want it. I have to have it. And I will tell you, it was one of the most delicious things I've ever had. I mean, so, anytime you have butter that's yeah, that's Cajun liquefied. Butter, <laughs> yes, sign me up. So, so the point I'm trying to make is you got to like, you know, some people could have said, oh, it's lobster. It's going to be expensive. No one's going to buy this. It's like a night market. They want like cheap, quick things. No, it was $52. And I was like kind of calculating like if they helped 
let's say 30 people an hour times $50 a person, that is a lot of money. And they're also there for nine hours on a Sunday. Do the math. It's something like $10,000 in a day. Yeah. I just wonder how much the lobsters cost, like the market price. I don't but know. They probably, I they probably have a pretty good, good. They probably got a pretty good margin. I think so too. Yeah. Can I share one more thing that I thought was really interesting? Okay, and then we're gonna get into the list of shit you should have learned at school you never did, but you should. I think this is gonna tie in. All right. All right. Do it. So this article popped up that I thought was really interesting, and this article is about. Um, this is from a smart asset study, and so they say they analyzed after-tax income needed to live in the nation's twenty-five largest metro areas comfortably that was what they said okay comfortably so this is the salary that's required and so this is really interesting because they break it down and so uh, what do you think in order to live a comfortable life in san francisco how much money do you think you need to make after taxes i mean san francisco rents like four thousand dollars a month i think for maybe a one bedroom that could even be on the low side maybe yeah so What's your guess? Uh, I think you're gonna go high. You're probably gonna go higher than. I'm gonna say ten thousand. No, oh, ten thousand a annual, month. Annual so uh, comfortable. A comfortable. So you can have lobster domus when you want. Uh, Four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. No, well, you're really high. Okay, one hundred twenty thousand. So, Eighty-four thousand. This is after taxes. What? After taxes. Okay. So if you're after taxes making, you're bringing home eighty-four thousand dollars in twenty-six dollars you probably 30 to say you're 30 percent 35 percent tax rate there so roughly you're making over 120,000 or so right right well, i think 150 would be a base that would be like uh okay you're pushing it maybe you'll be able to afford to live there yeah and so after taxes after taxes mm-hmm. so that means you have to make over a hundred thousand right. dollars mm-hmm. depending on your tax rate right so but say, you said lobster domus so mm-hmm. i'm thinking more in the 400 well yeah i'm thinking you're comfortable right and so it says yeah. it says you're trying to be comfortable in cities like in order to live like roughly the cost of living in san francisco was to be comfortable in 2022 was 74,000 now for 2023 it's going to be 84,000 so mm-hmm. that's that's after taxes san diego 79,000 boston 78,000 and then you know los angeles was $76,000 mm-hmm. a year What's so new york new york was $78,000 and $524 okay and then the lowest mm-hmm. like the to live the most comfortable life was mm-hmm. in st louis $57,446 you know so when you think about like the things that you learned in school mm-hmm. like well you need to learn something that's going to be able to pay you know over yeah. 100 grand a year Plus, I mean, many of these, I think the first five, you have to be over $100,000 in order to live a comfortable life in these cities. Yeah, but I don't think when you say comfortable, I I don't think I understood. Like you said lobster for people like we went to this lobster plate. We went to Smorgasburg. Just the my plate was mm-hmm. $52. We right. spent, you know, a couple hundred as a family and that was missing a kid. Right. So. I feel like when you say comfortable, that's subjective. Like we could say comfortable is a roof over your head. Comfortable is you've got, you know, blankets and sheets at night. You've got running water. Like to me, then, oh, yeah, $100,000, 75 after taxes. That sounds like you're still struggling. You can't have Starbucks every day. That's for sure. Right. You're not eating at San Francisco's best restaurants every night if you make $100,000, 79 take home. No way. That's not... 
I mean, it's comfortable in the sense that it's not poverty, but it's not what I would consider like. So this is how they defined it, right? So it says smart asset employed a 50-30-20 rule, which defines comfortable lifestyle as one in which 50% of, of after-tax income is applied to basic living expenses needs. Mm-hmm. 30% is discretionary income wants, and then 20% is savings and debt. Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's the how they dis- described comfortable. So, but basically they're saying if you're making, if you're in San Francisco and you're trying to live a comfortable life, $84,000, half of that is going to be about $42,000 go to where you live. And what you're saying is, is that that's probably not accurate, no. <laughs> but it depends. Like everyone's version of comfortable is going to be different. But in San Francisco, they're saying 42000 goes to where you live. And then 30% of, of that goes to you know, discretionary thing and wants. Okay, so this says the average rent for an apartment in San Francisco is $3,300. Yeah, so this is- this is That is it, wrong. <laughs> it's incorrect data. But this is saying if you want to, maybe it's, it's looking at one bedroom, one person, not a family. Well, don't plan on having any kids then. Right. So, I mean, it's, poverty. Just, it's just one of those things where when you think about like what you learn in school- will play a part. So I thought that that was really interesting just from an income standpoint mm. of like saying, like, what do you need to learn in order to be, to be able to earn the income that you want to earn to live a life that you want to live? Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously this is, a, this is an arbitrary, like, hey, 50% goes to life, you know, but I think that most people that live in San Francisco probably exceed oh, what's on sure. here. You know, well, average. my brother and sister-in-law live in San Francisco. I think their rent's over $10,000 a month. Yeah. It's between eight and 10. Yeah. And they have a like a three bedroom and, you know, and I know that they eat out a lot. So I know that they make well over what you're talking about. But I do think, look, I've had conversations with Jared and he's like, yeah, I mean, $100,000, you're broke in San Francisco. Yeah. So something to Which consider. Is, yeah, it's something interesting. So I, I just thought that that was an interesting article that I wanted to share. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you shared that. <laughs> so let's move on. I was thinking about the fact that we've got kids that are getting ready to graduate. Uh, Jordan's in her last year and then they're going off to college. And I was just like thinking there's so many things that you don't learn from school that if you don't have good parents that understand the value of like setting your kids up to Mm -hmm. win in real life outside Mm -hmm. of school, then you're really at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. And so I kind of made a list and I want to go through a couple of those. But one of those is communication, Mm -hmm. like how to have conversations, especially difficult ones. There shouldn't be a class like when you're in elementary school, like, hey, here's how you want to talk, how to be respectful. These are what manners are. I know we think that you should be learning that at home. But again, like taking into consideration, if you've got a parent that's maybe a single parent that is kind of absent, maybe they're juggling two jobs or something like that. And and they don't have a lot of life skills. Why? Because they didn't learn them in school and maybe they didn't learn them from their parents. And so they're only passing down what they know, right? Right. And so I think communication is a big one. So an example would be like how to give feedback without hurting someone's feelings. I know that our daughter, uh, one of our daughters that has a job was, you know, talking to a coworker. The coworker said something inappropriate a few times and we had to coach her to say, 
when someone makes you feel uncomfortable, you need to have a difficult conversation. Here's how you would do it, blah, 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 blah. And then we were really proud that she did. But no one gives you that training to know how to maybe advocate for yourself or stand up for yourself and say like, hey, can I talk to you for a second with a level head? taking your emotions out of it and just being really professional. And I think that's one of the reasons why people fly off the handle. I agree. I think it's interesting when you said that, like how much of our society would work better. I'm not saying we would always agree, but would move in a direction of positivity and progress if people really learn how to communicate in in an effective way especially around things they disagree around, Mm -hmm. right? And how to position things, how to set up a conversation, how to keep in mind what the other person may be thinking and what may be important to them. Mm -hmm. And being able to still be clear, concise, Mm -hmm. and upfront with things that that they would like someone to change, especially when they're providing feedback. But I also think a big part of that is learning how to receive feedback, right? And so I think that the big thing is that people... They do not know how to receive feedback in a way that's constructive mm-hmm. and doesn't get them to a place where they move all into their emotion and they miss the point. And then before they know, it, no one ever gives them feedback in their life anymore because they know they can't handle it. Well, I think that moves us perfectly into emotional intelligence. Yeah. Right. But before we get to emotional intelligence, just staying on communication, the first one really quick. And that is how to negotiate. Mm -hmm. So like how to negotiate a salary. If you're 17 years old and you go for your first job, I don't think kids know like how to negotiate and say, I'm sorry, but minimum wage is this. And I'm really look, I was expecting this. And so again, I'm taking this list into consideration for those that maybe didn't grow up with a parent that was able to teach and instill this stuff. And then how to have conversations about sensitive topics. Like we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about you have to teach your kids how to talk about death. Yeah. Because if no one in your family is dying and you're getting super lucky the very first time your kid has to experience death, if you've never talked about it before, it can be really catastrophic. So communication, I think, is big. Moving on, I'll let you take number two, which is emotional intelligence. Well, it's just that. like I think understanding and having a a sense of awareness of how you think Mm -hmm. and what you're thinking about And I was having a conversation with someone earlier today and they were talking about um, acting. They were reading this book about their philosophy around acting. And then one of the things that the author said was, one of the things to keep in mind is it's your emotions and you wanna be aware of your emotions, but you want to experience them so that you understand how to experience them. And then when you need to call upon that emotion because the scene is requiring it, you know where that emotion comes from because you felt it before. And it was interesting because I was like, oh wow, I said, it seems like you also need to have a sense of awareness, but also of the witness within your mind. And what I mean by that is every time you experience an emotion, there's always a part of you that is witnessing you experience that emotion. It's the part that when you're really sad, that says, hey, you got to get it together. Mm -hmm. When you're really upset, it says you really need to calm down, right? And so being able to have that is emotional intelligence, and that's consciousness, and that is being aware of like, What you said really bothered me, but I'm also able to center myself and say, okay, I need to hear what's being said. And this goes back to the receiving feedback conversation. I need to receive what's being said because I'm sure there's something that's positive intent in order for me to get better at something. And so I think that that having the ability to self-assess yourself in the moment when you're experiencing something is so important because then it allows you to turn around and have a dialogue with someone that is effective and progressive. Yeah. 
So like self-regulation. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Number three, critical thinking, how to evaluate information and kind of use discernment, like to determine what things are credible. I think especially in 2023, we've got this crazy political climate where people just believe whatever they see. Granted, I understand it's on the news, but we can't believe everything that we see. We have to do some digging and we've got to figure out how to discern between credible sources and like what's true and what's not, you know, just kind of put out there in the media. And I find this a lot with like social media. Like you have someone share a video with you and then you watch it and you're like, this is bullshit. Like, this isn't even accurate. And then you you just think to yourself, well, how many people has this person shared this with? This is how you're spreading all this like ridiculousness. And I just think we should have been taught critical thinking and like fact checking in school. Yeah, I agree. Because I think that we get swayed so easily. We read something and then all of a sudden we take on that thinking. We see something and all of a sudden we move with the herd. And I think this is important. What critical to me, the root of critical thinking is being able to ask yourself really good questions and take on multiple perspectives on one particular situation so that you can use those perspectives to come with an understanding of like what you're actually seeing and what your perspective and point of view may be. I think like for me, when I read a book, I'm always asking myself, I get what they're saying, but is this true for me? Is this true in this world? Like, and I'm not, I used to read a book and to go, oh yeah, this is good. Like, mm-hmm. and it shaped my thinking. Now I read a book and I'm more like an objective observer of it. And mm-hmm. so now, it, cause it allows me to critically think about it and say, yeah, it works in this situation, but it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. And big thing about critical thinking is understanding that there could be multiple versions of truth. And right. I think that when you have that and understanding, then I think that that's when you're able to really think about things deeply. Yeah, agree. I'm going to put four and five together. Number four is financial literacy. And number five is like building credit. And so when I say financial literacy, I mean like just how money works. Like where does money come from? It gets printed. What's the value? How to create a budget and stick to it. How to invest. How to manage debt. And then moving into like what is debt? What is a credit card? How do you maintain good credit? How do you build your credit? What are the right credit cards? What are the credit card companies trying to do? And I think that we should learn that. Fun fact, I don't know if I ever told you, but when I was like in my early 20s living on my own, I got obsessed with building my credit because the people that were role models in my life didn't necessarily have the best spending habits. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to learn everything I could about like how to not ever have bad credit And I thought, I want to go back and I want to teach this in high school. Like I wanted to always go back to the high school that I grew up and just teach people like, this is actually how you do this. You know, you need this and you need to take these steps. And I just don't understand. Maybe that's what we're supposed to do. Like create a company, (laughs) start working with some high schools. But I think you can make learning about money really fun. And think about it. If you come from a family that doesn't have a ton of money and you're learning about this in school, wouldn't you be sitting there as a kid like, damn, I don't think my mom and dad do that. Yeah. I don't think we have a budget. Like, yeah. I don't think like those are things that could change how the young person grows up to view money, to interact with money, to spend money, you know what I mean? To yeah. earn money. And so I think money is a big deal. I think and if, if I could learn anything from school, it would have been one, how to take the emotion out of money. Mm. Because I think that 
people that I've seen that are really successful when it comes to me, they don't have very little emotion around it. Mm -hmm. What they are emotional about is the process of creating something that contributes, that generates money, mm -hmm. right? And so they're passionate about the success of those things, but not passionate about staring at and worrying about money. And I think the other thing is that when you're young, you learn two things about money or credit. You learn access. So you think you could buy things that you, you know, right. didn't think you could buy it today. I mm -hmm. could buy it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then you learn like the depths of debt. Yeah. Right. And so, but what we don't learn is how people leverage money and leverage credit to, to actually make more money. And I think that that's a big learning. Mm, yeah. Six, relationship building. So this is like building friendships, dating, networking, how to make a good first impression. Like who teaches young people how to prepare for a job interview or how to make a good first impression or how to make friends in school? Like if you think about it, we just naturally let this stuff happen, right? Yeah. But who teaches you how to be a good friend? Hopefully and, your parents. I mean, hopefully, but not everybody <laughs> has great parents is what I'm saying. Like yeah. if there was just something in class that was like, okay, today we're going to be a good friend by blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, who teaches you how to date or how to approach like someone that you're interested in? I mean, and that's a big one because I think we're in a place where that's really difficult. We would um, never teach that in school. You know, like, okay, here's how you do it. All yeah. right. You see that girl right there? <laughs> so yeah. That, that could be a little, little Maybe that's a stretch, <laughs> but you know, like having healthy relationships and yeah. just like being there for friends and nurturing and building friendships and things like that, I think I is think, what I mean. I think there's just something around setting boundaries uh, and then yeah. communicating your expectations, right? Especially in a relationship when you're able to say, Here's what I would love to have for in a friend. Mm -hmm. And here's what I would love to have in a relationship. And here are the things that I will not tolerate. Agree. Number seven, and I think this is a big one in 2023, how to survive without technology. I thought you were going to say how to survive in South Central. No, I was not. <laughs> but what do you think about that? Do you think that these young people could survive without their cell phones? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Do you think people really need to learn that? I mean, we talk, you talk a lot about if there's a zombie apocalypse and like, what if the cell phone towers go down and there's no We're technology? We, we don't have, <laughs> Not no even, one's going to pick up their landline phone, even in a zombie apocalypse. You know why? Because they're going to think it's a telemarketer. They don't what? Think, they don't think a telemarketer <laughs> is survived and is a zombie apocalypse. Oh I'm still not gosh. answering it because I don't know that number. <laughs> um, one thing I will say that was like a micro fail. We didn't really teach our kids about the post office and like writing a letter and maybe and like what checks are and you write a check out, you pay a bill. Like we never taught them that. Right. Because we, it's technology. We yeah, pay, pay bills online. online. And yeah. so if you think about that, like only 20 years ago, were you paying with a check? That's crazy. I think checks should be outlawed and removed. I just society. remember though the first time they were like, wait, you need a stamp? And I was like, wait, what? Well, why? Look, you know, they didn't even really understood right. what, understand what a mailman, like what is he bringing you? They think it's just like junk mail. Yeah. Let's see, home repair, homeowner's insurance, anything around home stuff. Mm -hmm. I feel like at one point we used to teach like auto mechanics, you know, how to change a tire, but right. we never ever had, not that I know of, a class where it was like, you know, here's how you change a light bulb. Here's how you <laughs> do some basic repairs in your house. Like, here's right. how you know if your smoke alarm or your smoke, here's what a smoke alarm is, a smoke detector, like yeah. things like that. I know it sounds kind of silly, but like, who do you call when you need to fix a leaky faucet? 
And this is funny because like now Kayla's living in Scotland and she's in charge of her apartment. It's not a school campus. You can't just call the super, right? And so what do you do? Well, you have to find a plumber. She's like, how do I do that? Okay. Google the hell out of that. Right. We we would have said 30 years ago, look in the phone book, right? (laughs) So just like not knowing how to do any of those basic things. Like, do they do the kids even know that when someone punches a hole in your wall or something happens, like that's called drywall? Okay, why would they punch? (laughs) I'm just saying, like, do kids know how houses are built? Like it's drywall. That can be patched up, right? Right. Who taught you that? You didn't know that stuff when we became homeowners. Right. Right. You you learned through those experiences. Right. Yeah, but I think that getting some basics on that would be important. Maybe they could just play some videos at the school. Like, okay, here how this is how a house is built. Right. Right. And just give you a step by step. Oh, that's okay. a good one. Wouldn't yeah. you have liked to know this is how a house was built? 100%. And this is why a smoke alarm is important. Can I tell you one of my biggest pet peeves is if I'm on a Zoom call or a phone call with someone and I hear your smoke alarm beeping, <laughs> telling you that your battery needs to be replaced, I genuinely feel like your life is in danger. Yeah. It's distracting. I feel like you're it's being negligence. lazy. It's <laughs> negligence. I want you to fix it before you call right. me back. <laughs> and literally, there's nothing more important than you changing out the damn battery on your smoke detector right now. 100%. So another one is healthcare. I will change this to just health overall in general because we've said many times before, like we're not perfect parents, but we did want our kids to understand that they needed a health routine. I agree. And I think to go a little bit further... Not just your physical health, but mental. I think what they need to be teaching now is how to maintain strong mental health and, yep. and strong mental toughness. Because I think that physically you got to get tough. You got to prepare your body for the rigors of life, mm-hmm. right? And I think that mentally you got to get the same type of work. Like you've got to do the work to say, how do you keep your mind strong? So whether they bring therapists in and they talk about like, here are some of the basics of mental health. Yep. Here's how you need to assess yourself. And this is what you need to do if you find yourself stuck and you feel like you're in a really terrible place. This is what you need to do to get yourself out of it. Like that is huge because we've got so many Gen Zers and and younger than, I don't know, what's the next generation called? I don't know. We go back to A? I don't know. Yeah. They're entering this world. Right. And they have information. We talked about this before. They have information to diagnose and self-diagnose themselves, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily see a lot of information about proactively keeping themselves mentally well. So I think that's a big one. Okay. Number 11, basic legal knowledge. Like, I don't know if people know what their (laughs) rights are. I mean, honestly, got, I think the only thing is in the hood, you got like hood legal different knowledge. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's illegal. Right. Like every <laughs> everything's illegal. Right. Having the dome light on in your car oh, is illegal. I used By to the think way, that that's was not true. I used to think that was so illegal. I was like, turn it off. We'll yeah. get a ticket. Uh, that's because all of our parents told us that. You know why? Because no one taught us what the laws were. So we couldn't correct our parents and be like, that is not illegal. Right. Don't- right. Don't be spreading rumors. <laughs> they passed down these rumors for generations. Like we literally told our kids that. Yeah. So maybe our kids were taught the laws right, because right. they stopped that. But how to read and understand like legal contracts, what to do if you're involved in a car accident. Fun that's story. A, that's a big one. That's a big one, right? Yeah. So fun fact, I was 14 and a half. My mom taught me how to drive a car. Why? Because I had three other siblings and I had to pull my weight. So I would take my my brothers and sisters to and from school and I was driving at 14 and a half. That was illegal. 
I don't know what to tell you, Rolling but dirty. I had to help, right? Rolling dirty. So I'm with my girlfriend, Jamila, my best friend. I was 15 and a half at the time. Mm. She's a little bit younger than me and she's 14 and a half. So I had just dropped my brother off at school. I was making a left-hand turn and there was a big truck turning the opposite way, blocking my view of the oncoming traffic. Long story short, I wait for the light to turn yellow. I wait for it to turn red. I assume that there must not be any more cars coming. So to clear the intersection, I complete the left-hand turn. Someone ran the red light, slammed into my car, wrapped us around a telephone pole, and it was bad. We get out of the car, we're banged up, and my friend looks at me, Jamila, swear to God. She says, I go, oh my God, what do we do? And she goes, run! (laughs) And we start running down the street. And then about a block later, I go, what are you doing? Why are we running? And she's like, because you don't have a license. I go, but I don't think we can just leave. Like, but I didn't get training on what to do in case of an accident. I was 14 or 15 years old. Oh my God. And so she literally said, run. And I listened to her, but something kicked in and was like, no, I don't think we're supposed to run. Now, (laughs) I didn't understand what fleeing the scene of an an accident meant. That could have destroyed me, right? Double hit. You know, so bad. Right so, dirty and then flee yeah. the scene. So basic legal knowledge, yeah. what to do if you get in a car accident. I think um, your rights, you know, whether it's you live in a home or an apartment, like what are your rights? Can the police? We had a conversation about this because we used to have house parties mm-hmm. at my house in Carson. Right. And we'd have DJs and stuff. I remember many times like the police coming and they're like, we just want to take a look. And they would come in the backyard with their flashlight, be looking at can't, everyone. That, no, can't. And so Eddie, my husband in Covina, says, nope, you're not allowed to come in my backyard. I go, is that a right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've been violated my whole life. Yeah. You know how I I knew that? How? Because, you know, in high school, growing up in a white neighborhood, Uh they know their rules. That's what I'm saying. We didn't know our rights. You're going to stop right there, sir. Come back with a search warrant. You don't have probable cause. We're having a party. We'll turn the music down. Yeah. You go on your merry way. And it's like, yeah. oh, you can say that? Yeah. You know, well, thank God you run the household. And 100%. Hopefully be here. <laughs> if the police come knocking, hopefully you'll be here. All right. Moving on. Number 12. I think that back in our day, we had home economics. Yeah. And I do think that kids should be taught how to cook, how to be able to keep themselves alive, mm. how to change a tire, how maybe not change egg. a tire, but yeah, how to crack an egg, how to do basic cooking for themselves, whether you're boy, girl, whatever, you need to know how to take care of yourself and keep yourself alive. 100%. Maybe they should be talking about like planning ahead, meal prepping, tie it into health somehow. But I don't know. I think it's more survival. Yeah. And I think people should know, parents, we're talking about you because we, we're we not going to change the education system of this podcast. But you should be listening to these things going, Have oh, snap, right? Like, like not letting my kid leave the house until right. we've had these little discussions, yep. right? I'm going to tell you something regarding the kitchen, cooking. I had an employee. His name was Hunter. Rest, he did not rest his soul, but God bless his soul. So Hunter was, yeah, he is. Hunter was all of 16 years old, hired him to work at the bakery. He's uh, training, you know, working with my brother-in-law, Tony. Tony's in his 30s. Hunter's there. 
I leave, I'm done for the day. Hunter decides that while he's having a conversation fun at work with Tony in the kitchen, he's frying churros in a frying pot Mm -hmm. with hot oil. He's just, you know, finishes frying the churros and he decides that he wants to take the hot, scalding, boiling oil over to the sink, dump it down the running water, cold water drain. The oil explodes all over him and backs up all of my piping. Yeah. And so there's a flood in the bakery. He's burned. Hunter's got second or third degree burns, has to be rushed to the hospital, blah, 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 blah. So yes, Hunter survived and all of that good stuff. You know what Hunter's mom said? Oh my God, I never taught him about oil and water. And like, she felt so bad. And so I'm taking this call, freaking out as my very first, like, is this going to be an employer's comp kind of issue? Like what? And the girls are in the backseat and they hear this on speakerphone. And I was like, I turned to them. I said, did you know? And they go, we know now. Never put oil in the in the running water. Where are you supposed to put oil, mom? And I had this conversation. And it's like, that's a big parenting miss if you don't know to have that conversation, right? Yeah. So who teaches you this shit? Well, you should be learning this in school. Home ec. Because what if you don't have great parents? Yeah, before you get burned. Yeah. Number 13, how to find a job. What do you have to say about this? This is an interesting one because I think that there's a lot that goes into this. I think one, you got to prepare yourself that mentally that you're going to get turned down. Mm -hmm. Number one, two, you need to be able to learn how to communicate the things that you've learned in your experience, Mm -hmm. right? Because your, your, your resume is about where you've been, Mm -hmm. right? And you need to be able to talk about the fact that where you've been is valuable Mm -hmm. because I'm going to use where I've been to actually do some you know, some great work for this company or wherever I'm going or wherever mm-hmm. you're applying for. So you need to be able to say that, hey, I can contribute. And the only way you can do that is if you're able to articulate and communicate like what you've learned and how you've done it in a very specific way. Yeah. And not in theory, but like, here's what I did and here's why I'm so freaking awesome. Yeah. Right. And so I think that that's super important when looking for a job. Okay. Let's take it super basic though. Who teaches you how to write a resume? how to prepare for a job interview, Chat what's GPT. acceptable to wear. <laughs> so funny thing, Kayla is home from Scotland right now. Right. And we were talking about the fact she's looking for a job. And I said, okay, the one question they're going to ask you in an interview is they're going to ask you, so, you know, you've told us all about you. You sound really great. You know, what are some of your shortcomings, Kayla? Mm. And she goes, what do I say? I said, always answer the question with something that they're looking for self-awareness. They're looking to see that you know that you're not perfect. And she's like, I said, so you can't make yourself perfect, right? You have to have, they want to see that you have a good self-awareness and that you are willing to put in the work to get better at something. Yeah. So you should know what are what, what am I struggling with, but I'm also reading this book right now and I'm practicing these techniques to get better. And she goes, I would have not known what to say. <laughs> she goes, I would have, I, I, my downfall is I'm a perfectionist. And I go, yeah, everyone says that because they don't know how to answer that question. So you need yeah. to have a shortcoming. And right? everyone wants to give you like an overstrength. Oh, yeah. oh, I just care too much. I care too much about people. It's such a downfall of mine. I always get hurt. I always say yes. Yeah. I say yes too much. Yeah. I'm like, like 
No. Stop it. That's dumb. So like, maybe you learned that from the Push <laughs> podcast, but you need to have something yeah. you're working on. Do not give someone overstrength of like something that you yeah. just do too much. That's just too much. For, yeah. like, also, don't say, oh, I am habitually late. Like, <laughs> I am terrible with time. I, 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 I never, never show up. I never get anywhere on time. I could just never do right. it. No, that's not something you want to say. Don't do that. So uh, moving on to number 14, how to fail and learn from it. I yeah. think do Dealing with and handling rejection, disappointment, um, learning from different opportunities that might feel like failures, and how to bounce back from like setbacks. If you don't teach your kids resilience and like how to work through disappointment, who teaches them that? Yeah, and life will chew them up if they're not ready for it. Yeah, I remember us having a conversation saying, "This kid needs a loss." Like they keep oh, winning. Yeah. This kid we needs, talked about that a yeah, lot this on this podcast. To, because they need to lose a something. And at some point they were on some winning streak. And you, yeah. you forget that losing is actually something that happens. Yeah. Right. And I so, will say one <laughs> of the important. best like parenting tips I can give you is like they have to experience heartache. Yeah. They have to like they got to be they got to have their heart broken a little bit, you know, so no to the lead in the school play. You got to hear a hey, that that report wasn't actually that good. Right. They need to hear some of that. Uh, feedback that will help them build resilience and know that shit's not always going to feel great. What are you going to do to learn from it and then bounce back from the opportunity? 100%. Number 15, time management. What do you think? This is a big one. Who teaches you? Like if these teachers are providing all this homework or prescribing all this homework, you go home, we got to teach them time management. Mm -hmm. Like there's you know, processes and different, you know, different ways that we wanted to help our kids with um, homework and like the load that they brought home, particularly in high school. But I used to think like, do your do your teachers not know you have six different periods? Like if all of them are giving you two hours worth of homework, are you supposed to come home right. after eight hours of school and then do another 12 hours of work? But see what the kids don't tell us, which we are aware of is that these teachers give a certain amount of homework that's not due for several days. Right. And so it's not intended for them to do it yeah. all on Thursday. Well, not in all cases, though. But I'm just, what I'm saying is, is that like, yeah. like time teaching management. them, like, what's mm-hmm. the most important thing, Yeah, right? And not only just for like time blocking, things like that, but sometimes in school, you have a subject that's harder than the other ones mm-hmm. that you need to do first. Yeah, so right? prioritize it. Right, yeah. using the prioritizing method of saying like, hey, this is the hardest thing this goes first and then allow the things that are easiest to be last because that will require less resistance. Yeah. Here's another one. First aid. Don't you think that everyone that's in school should learn how to save a life? Yeah. You should learn CPR. You should learn. And here's an example. Like the kids were doing a play and I remember Kayla's, um, they were must have been like 14 years old. Kayla's friend Paula uh-huh. was the assistant like stage manager or something. So she's in the back with like a clipboard and, you know, like a headpiece. And she's just supposed to get the kids on to their cues on stage, right? On time. And so one of the girls is not feeling good backstage right before she goes on and she passes out. And, you know, the kids are frantic. They're right. like, oh, my God. And so they're like, we should get Mrs. P. We should get. And she goes, don't get Mrs. P. Elevate her feet. Take off her shoes and socks. And somebody get some ice and put them on her feet, put the ice on her. And I was like, wait a second. That's How great. did you know to elevate her feet and put ice on her That's feet? Like, she passed out all the time. Right. 
So <clears throat> the point is, is like, shouldn't we be teaching like kids in yeah. school? Because what if you're home alone with your mom and you are it's a single situation and your mom passes out? Like, I yeah. wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. Right. And that's a life or death situation. Right. Or CPR. Yeah. You've got a little sister that like is choking or something. I feel like we should all know how to save someone's life. Agreed. Isn't that a good one? A hundred percent. Okay. We can change the laws there. <laughs> How to dress a wound, how to stop bleeding. Yep. Those are all good things. Yeah. And I think that would not take a long time. No. Yeah. So, so that's a good one. Or even how to recognize the signs of a heart attack or something. Mm. Who do you call? There's no landlines these days. So I just feel like you bringing that up, man, it's like so many people are ill equipped. Like, I, there's like, I only want to have these kind of problems, if ever, around someone who knows what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we have these friends. I don't know if you guys have seen White Lotus, but in White Lotus, should I say it? Yeah, there's a body floating around on the beach at some point in the Spoiler. water. Spoiler. And I didn't say what episode or whose body it was, but there's yeah. a body. And so my question to you is, what would you do if you saw a body in the ocean? We have some friends that were vacationing in Portugal. I don't remember where no. they were. Yeah, there's Dominican Republic or something. Somewhere where warm water is. Right. And they literally said that that happened. They yeah. were in the water and all of a sudden this body, they noticed that this guy was floating around face down and our friend pulled him out and the family, they saw this other family, they come running and just um, so our friend knew that this person was dead. But just to make the family feel better, he immediately like turned the guy over and starts doing CPR. And I thought that that was such a great gesture, but also I don't know how to do CPR. So yeah. I wouldn't have been able to make that situation better. I should have learned that in school. Yeah, I've been CPR certified. Thank God. <laughs> I hope you could save my life, honey. Uh, wrapping up with the last two, number 17 is public speaking and presentation skills. I do think that we do have kids do presentations throughout, you know, school, but I think preparing them to effectively like get a point across or handle the jitters when it comes to being in front of an audience. Because my question is, how do you go from like, hey, I had to give this science project in front of my classmates to most adults have a fear of public speaking? It's actually the the greatest the fear, fear, the number one fear for, for adults is public yeah. speaking over so like dying. should be doing that more yeah. often? I mean, I think that the fundamentals of public speaking should be something that's part of the curriculum for yeah. kids. And I think that we they throw them in, and this is where I think the fear happens, is because they're not trained and they're not given any type of instruction of how to conduct a, a, any type of talk or presentation, mm -hmm. they're thrown into it with you know presenting your project, right? And I think that that's where the fear starts, right? One, maybe they don't have a lot of confidence in the project. Yeah. And two, they're like, I don't even know how to present in front of everyone. Yeah. And then you get those one or two students that are just really charismatic. They can get in front of people that have zero fear. And then all of a sudden, you the kids that did not do well feel deflated and yeah. they carry that for the rest of their lives, yeah. right? And so that needs to be something that we help kids with. It is. I remember Kayla for Christmas wanting something. It was like an iPad. Oh, it was an iPad. She was 10, you think? Yeah. And she was like, guys, can I talk to you about um, what I would like for Christmas? And it was an expensive gift. It was an iPad. 
And she had a presentation. (laughs) Do you remember? She was like, these are the reasons why I think I would benefit. These are the things that I would use it for, for my education. These were, and we literally called the other two, Jasmine and Jordan. You need to come in here. Your sister just gave us a presentation on what she wanted for Christmas. This is what she's getting. Like we use it as an example, like to teach yeah. them when you want something, this is how you put a presentation together yeah. and this is how you ask for it. Come correct. Yep. So we've kind of made fun of that, but it's something I think that they're all really good at. And the last one for me is important entrepreneurship, how to start and run a business, including like marketing, sales, financial management, how to write a business plan. Because I think even now, like so often, I was talking to my stepmom today about, you know, the fact that we coach small business owners, bakers in particular. She said, oh, yeah, my friend's daughter, you know, she made a couple hundred bucks last week, um, made these really cute cookies and she sold them for Easter. And I said, well, making a couple hundred bucks is cool, but I bet you if she factored in the fact that it took her two weeks to make them, she was driving around town buying all of this baking stuff, you know, spent a ton of money and my mom cuts me off. She goes, oh yeah, I'm sure she didn't make a fucking penny. (laughs) And I go, but that's the problem, mom, is that we now will tell her, oh my God, these are so beautiful. You should start a business. And she didn't make a penny, right? So like understanding the basics of, if I am great at something in order to start a business, does it make like sense financially? Yeah. And so, so many people unfortunately get into business like that because the wrong people are telling them, this is great. You should start a business. Right. But it's not something you could ever make money on if you're not managing it the right way. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think with the failure rate of entrepreneurship or starting a business being so high, mm-hmm. like it, we're missing something. Yeah, we're missing something. Mm-hmm. And that is just going like taking economics because most of the kids learn economics, but making part of that entrepreneurship. Yeah. Right. And, you know, getting people to understand, you know, price, cost, margin, all those things are is super important. And it's super important to the country. Right. Yeah. Like this, the country is its ability to grow is by people creating businesses. Yeah. And if more people have a confidence and the know-how to do it, then you're going to get more and more people doing it. And we know less people are going to college. And so they got to do something. Right. And so starting a business is a great way to do that. Well, I was talking to Kayla today. She's like, I got to find a job. I go, why don't you start like a nanny service or something that doesn't require a lot of startup, but you can pull together a couple of friends. You can have a website. You can have like a calendar. Families can book, you know, And, you know, just trying to get her to like think outside of the box. I had a friend who in college started a valet company, just gathered his friends and was like, hey, we're going to put together like a contract and just go bid at the Cheesecake Factory or these places that have valet companies. And they did. And they made a ton of money. That's great. Just like hustling and getting cars. Right. And so a lot of them put themselves through college with that. So anyways, I hope this list was helpful for you. If you have something that you want to add or contribute, please take 30 seconds to write a review or find us on social media. We want to hear from you. And yeah, make sure you learn these things and and then teach your kids. If you don't know it, Google it and (laughs) and teach your kids and always push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. 
hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.